to uh, continue and maybe bring a, a bit of a nuance to some of the th things we were looking at last week. And um, the title of my message here this morning is Understanding Spiritual Authority. Now, we're talking about Ephesians chapter 6, and we've been going through Ephesians all this time. And again, like I mentioned last week, I, I, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to do chapter 6, and that would be a sin, I think. If we did the whole book of Ephesians and didn't do Ephesians chapter 6, we would be missing really um, kind of like the culmination of the whole letter because he, find, he says when he gets there, and finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, right? And so this whole portion kind of wraps up all the stuff that he has been talking about for all these chapters, and we've gone pretty much uh, in detail through the book of um, Ephesians, which is just incredible. Of course, he starts it out the first three chapters. He presents all of this doctrine, all of this teaching, which is like so rich and, and uh, so exalted, and just in terms of the, the understanding, the knowledge that we gain of what God is up to, what his program, what his plan is, and who we now are because we now are in Christ, right? That makes all the difference because we are now in Christ and no longer in Adam. We are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thank God. Thank God. So um, as we dig into uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and as we get into this or as we approach this topic, there are really two essential truths that Paul is eager to impart to people as we get around to uh, the chapter 6 area. And first is the, the reality of the spiritual realm. This is a critical mindset, okay? And it, the, the world that we live in dismisses this utterly. It has no knowledge of this, has no real understanding. Imagine that this is what controls and dominates the entire globe. This spiritual hierarchy of demonic power, that, that is what is controlling our world. The only thing that is not controlled in our world by the spiritual hierarchy of demonic power is anything that is committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's important. Now, that's the only way out because the devil has authority on planet Earth. It was one of the points that I wanted to get home last week. The devil has bona fide authority here on planet Earth. When Jesus comes before him and when he... Um, seeks to, to tempt Jesus. He says to, he takes him up and he says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And then he said to them, all these kingdoms are mine. I'll give them to you. All you have to do is come and just, basically he says, you have to genuflect. So any type of small act of obeisance and it's all yours because they're mine, he says. And I give them to whomsoever I will. And so the devil does have legitimate authority in this world, then the only thing that escapes the controlling hand, and of course, his authority comes into a person's life for three reasons to steal, to kill, and to destroy. All right? That's what Jesus says of the, of the evil one. The, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the full, however we would want to, however that should be best phrased. But in order that we would have the richness, the fullness of what God created us for, but outside of the lordship of Jesus, there is, um, there is nothing but demonic, satanic destruction 
waiting. And that's why everything on planet Earth is so messed up, if you wanted to know. Right? The reason why nothing ever gets out of its own way, the reason why all the best laid plans of governments and people and corporations and all of this never achieves the goal of the kind of unity and kind of society that we would long for, it never happens because the one who is sitting at the top of it is the prince of discord, is the prince of confusion. He has no intention whatsoever of making our world a harmonious place. He has one intention, to steal to kill and destroy. Is that one intention or is it three or whatever it is, okay? This is his goal in the world and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And so I thought this would be an important aspect to share, okay, uh, as far as getting our understanding primed up or prepped up to really um, be able to engage in the spiritual conflict, to be able to engage in spiritual warfare. And, and, even in saying that, it just kind of comes to mind that God's not looking for you and I to go out and just kind of like become this like wild, wild man warrior that is warring against everything and just, you know what I mean? There's this loose cannon, this unhinged person who is just running around being a spiritual nuisance, okay? The point is this. God has something for you to do. You may have discovered that up to now. Perhaps you haven't discovered that yet. That's okay. As we seek him and as we make ourselves available, God has something for you to do. If you're not doing anything, you probably should question that in terms of service or ministry. If you've been a believer for, oh, let's say two or three days and you don't, and you don't have a, a, a ministry yet, what's your problem? But the point is that God calls us into all of this, not just to be someone who kind of like warms a a comfy chair on Sunday morning, but to get in the game, to get in the action, to be part of the endeavor for which Jesus gave his life, right? This was so important to Christ Jesus, the, the fulfillment and completion of this plan to redeem and to uh, be able to bring back into the family, into the fold, the lost sheep. Okay, this was so important that Jesus willingly went to the cross to accomplish that. And so once we're saved, we, we then have a calling on our life. And again, that's kind of something that you ought to be thinking about and, and looking towards and asking God and praying about. And then this is the deal. Once you lock into whatever it is that God is calling you to do or be or whatever may kind of fill in the, the blank there, you will find there will be opposition for you. That's it. It's, it, in other words, the devil doesn't have to hassle you if you're not doing anything. But if you are doing something, if you've actually taken, and again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting you have to do something wildly elaborate or something like that. Even like the, our friends who just came to, to share, they have a, a ministry. Am I right? You have a ministry, a, ser, a role of, of service that you perform in that particular area. And that's really what, what kind of validates and really makes fruitful this whole relationship that God has called us into. Not just that we are, you know, have now have fellowship with God, but that we are actually like part of this grand project, the church, the building up of the church. So anyway, that's when, when you actually get to the place where you start, you are starting to like do what it is that God is calling you to do and you're entering into it, then you're going to get some noise for it. You're going to get some hassle. 
and you're going to get some opposition. You're going to get something that's going to want to just kind of sideline you or sidetrack you or just put you out of the game. And that's where this whole chapter 6 thing comes in. Finally, my brothers, be strong. Be strengthened in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Okay, and so that's what we're talking about. So the first thing he wants to make them aware of is that there is a spiritual realm. This spiritual realm is controlling everything that's going on down here on planet Earth. Now, that doesn't mean that it's outside of the program and sovereign plan of God. Nothing is outside of the sovereign plan of God. So God is watching it all go on, and he's letting it happen because he knows where it's going to ultimately wind up, and where it's going to ultimately wind up is that Jesus is going to come back to earth, hallelujah, and uh, we'll be done with this whole season and craziness, and then he, the, uh, the kingdom that we are part of will be set up, and I'm looking forward to that. But that's the first thing that he wants to share with them is the reality of the um, spiritual realm. Secondarily, he wants to share with them the nature of the spiritual realm, okay? What, what is the function? What is, what is the, the disposition of the spiritual realm? And he uh, makes it pretty clear that it is dangerous. Okay, so here's the, uh, the beginning of that passage that uh, we've been looking at in Ephesians chapter 6. And he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. All right, so that's like a little intro to this whole section encouraging us to put on the armor of God. So this teaching about rulers and authorities who make up the cosmic powers over this present darkness and who Paul refers to as the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places provides us with the essential information that we need to know about the reality and nature of the spiritual dimension that occupies our world and that basically has such control over the things that are going on down here. Here's another thing that is really important too. Do You know, this information is available nowhere except in your Bible. Now that's it, right? This is a, I, I was looking through, say, various different uh, world religion viewpoints on the devil or Satan or things like that. And it's, there, there's, there's really no system of teaching. It's kind of like he's, he, it's, it is acknowledged that he must be out there someplace, but there's no real sense of what he's up to. Only in Scripture do we get the solid sense of this organized hierarchy of evil, what it is there to do, um, and how it is that we can stand and essentially be victorious over this thing. That's really the whole point of this, that like there is something, again, going back to um, chapter 2. I'm going to like wander here a little bit, but go, when we go, going back to Ephesians chapter 2. But he says, but you who were dead, in your transgressions or trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the hearts of those who are disobedient. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love 
with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you are saved. And raised us up and made us to sit together. That's going to be kind of the focal point of this, of this message. Made, raised us up and made us to sit or be seated together with Christ in the heavenly places that in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his kindness. So that whole second chapter is talking about the whole, what, what God has done to, to be able to give us a spot in this kingdom that he is establishing or that he's building. And the only place that we would get, a, or the only place that we gain any of this information is from the word of God, which is why the word of God is so powerful, so important, and why it is that you should know the word of God. I should give me one. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut myself a little bit short because I got a lot of stuff to say and a little time to say it. But I want to read something to you. Be right back. Okay, so this is my original Bible. This is the Bible, the first Bible that I bought when I was first saved. And uh, we were just on our way. We had just gotten saved. It's 1978. Just on our way out to Bible school. And, um, and then I didn't know which Bible to buy. I, it, I was impressed with the name, Thompson Chain. Sounds like a serious Bible, doesn't it? Come on, Thompson Chain reference Bible. Anyway, so... Um, <clears throat> and so we went out to Bible school, and I remember I, it probably was like maybe I'm on, on our first vacation, and um, that was the vacation. Another another bizarre story. On our first vacation from Bible college, we went up to be with my mother-in-law to spend those few days. This was Thanksgiving vacation from school, and we get up there, and there's this massive event going on on TV everywhere, and. I'm kind of watching it and scratching my head a little bit. It was when the Jim Jones thing happened, if you remember, down in Guyana, and you had like 500-plus people all having drank arsenic and died, right? And then you're looking at the pictures of this on TV, and there's like 500 people, and there's bodies all over the place. And I'm thinking to myself, because we had just gotten into Bible school, and it was, it was very strict, a very strict type of environment. I'm thinking to myself, am I in something like that? You know, we were just brand new saved, maybe like six or eight months saved or something like that. And of course, you know, it was a time you had to get up, time you had to go to bed, time you could do this, time you could do it. All very structured, which, which was good. But anyway, we got up there, and um, my brother-in-law, actually the brother-in-law who just died here recently, Uncle Mike, um, God bless him, um, was a Marine. How many were Marines? How many have served in the Marines? Okay, you got one. You'll, you'll be able to relate to this, no doubt, Mike. And so uh, when I was talking to Mike, he was talking about the Marine Rifle Pledge. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you do, right? And, and I thought, man, that applies so much. That applies so much to um, how a believer should feel about this, okay? So let me read this to you. I wrote it, I wrote it down in my Bible, although it's a little faded, so I copied it from the 
go website. But here's, here's uh, when, I, when I saw this thing, I, maybe I was looking through a yearbook or something, I saw this pledge and I went like, wow, that's really how it ought to be for every believer in terms of the word of God. Here's what every Marine pledges to. He says, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I must master my life. My, my rifle without me is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. I must fire my rifle true. I must shoot straighter than my enemy who's trying to kill me. I must shoot him before he shoots me. I will. My rifle and myself know that what counts in this war is not the rounds we fire, the noise of our burst, nor the smoke that we make. We know that it's the hits that count. We will hit. My rifle is human, even as I, because it is my life. Thus I will learn it as a brother. I will learn its weaknesses, its strengths, its parts, its accessories, its sights, and its barrel. I will ever guard it against the ravages of weather and damage, as I will ever guard my legs, my arms, my eyes, and my heart against damage. I will keep my rifle clean and ready. We will become part of each other. We will. Before God, I swear this creed. My rifle and myself are the defenders of my country. We are the masters of our enemy. We are the saviors of my life. So be it. Until victory is America's and there is no enemy but peace. Now, let's just do a little substitution here. This is my Bible. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My Bible is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I master my life. My Bible without me is useless. Without my Bible, I am useless. I must fire my Bible true. I must shoot straighter than my enemy who's trying to kill me. I must shoot him before he shoots me. I will. My Bible and myself know that what counts in this war is not the rounds we fire, noise of our burst, or the smoke that we make. We know that it's the hits that count. We will hit. Okay, you, you get the point, right? That this is, this is the spiritual weapon. This is where the spiritual information is. This is where the truth is. And you can't know this too well. You can't get too deeply invested. Just like that, that rifle play, I just thought like that was such a parallel because that soldier knows that his life is depending upon the fact as, uh, of how well he can actually master and use his weapon and control it and, and use it effectively. And the same thing is true for us. How, how, how much um, of a mastery do we have over the Word of God? So with this, with this whole passage that we've been looking at, nope. all right, here we are. Um, Paul is wanting to get them ready to understand that there is a spiritual realm and that that spiritual realm already has him as a target. When you were saved, the minute you were saved, a target came, was on your back. You came up on the devil's radar screen, and the devil knows who you are, and his goal is to stop you, okay? And God's goal is to start you. That's kind of about as simple as it gets. God's goal is to get you to be a, a willing worker, a functioning worker in the grand effort 
of the growing up of, of the kingdom of God and that we are all invested because then someday we're going to leave this world and all of us are going to share in the reward of it. You're not excited about that. You don't care about that. No, just, no that, that is all of us. All, he wants us all to be invested, all to be involved. So there's something that every person is being called to do, and in doing it, that's when you find out that there really is an adversary in this whole thing, that there really is an enemy. So anyway, he provides us in this passage with the, the uh, important information about the reality and the nature of this spiritual dimension which controls this present fallen world. And he opens our understanding to the most dominant, controlling, organized, consequential reality which drives um, human history. As a matter of fact, in, in chapter 1, if you recall, when Paul got so far into that first chapter, he says, For this reason I bow my knee before the God of heaven, and I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you would get this, that, that you would see uh, specifically three things. What is the hope of his calling? What is the glory? of the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. And he says that power is like the working of his mighty power, which he exercised when he raised Christ from the dead. That's going to be the point. To, um, th that, that will be the, the, the pivot point here in this message, this whole idea that we are engaged in a spiritual conflict. The conflict is real. There's no way out of it. It's already, it's already lined up. The only thing that you can do is prepare yourself to be able to stand against it because you win. Hallelujah. Jesus wins. All authority has been given unto him over all things. And so he, incur he, he commands us, go out and preach this, proclaim it, declare it everywhere. All authority has been given unto me. And now, go out, preach the gospel so that everyone can come on in underneath my authority, because right now, by nature, we are outside of the authority of God. We are, by nature, children of wrath, even as the... So, back to the, uh, the thoughts here this morning. So, um, regarding this uh, spiritual realm, the Bible makes clear in the Old Testament that there is a hierarchy of intelligent, highly organized spiritual beings who throughout all human history and up to the present moment are completely committed to opposing the plan and purpose of God in this world. And alert, you are that thing that is the center of what God is doing, right? You, you are the focus of God's redemptive plan. You are the one that he deliberately is saving and leading and calling out of bondage and into his marvelous light and equipping and strengthening so that you can be a powerful warrior for Jesus Christ in this world. You can be a soul winner. You can be a person who can ultimately bring other people into this flock. You can share with them the same information that you yourself received, which brought you to the place of salvation. You and I are equipped. We are powerful. We are mighty in God. And, and the, the point with this uh, this whole passage of Scripture is he just wants us to be tuned into this idea that, look, there's a battle, there's an adversary, there's an opponent, there's an enemy out there, and that enemy is strong and he is powerful and he is mighty, but you are stronger. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, how far can we get with this? Okay, so to understand this concept um, of the spiritual warfare and spiritual Battle goes on, that goes on, um, and, and again, Paul declares them and defines these uh, powers oops, as spiritual forces 
of evil in heavenly places. Jesus speaks of Satan. The devil is a thief and a robber who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So the entire teaching, all of this stuff that's in particularly Ephesians chapter 6, is all about, kind of all focused on one essential truth. And that one essential truth is this concept of spiritual authority. What is spiritual authority? It's important that we'd understand. So to, to, to get a handle on this, we need to go back to the book of Genesis and, um, and back to the story of creation. And on the sixth day, when God made man, notice, how, notice what God declared over the first couple that he made. There we go. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens. Notice that, by the way, let them have dominion. What is dominion? What's that? Power, right? Or rulership or authority, right? Dominion is authority. Let them have authority, he's saying, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. They were given authority over everything. They did not have to fall to that first temptation that came along. Matter of fact, they could have skated right past that thing. They could have just said basically what you can say to the devil when you start to get hassles or when you know the devil is working on your case. You can just say, in Jesus' name, get lost. You got nothing in me. See, all, all that Adam would have had to have said was, put that down and stop fooling around here to his wife. <laughs> I would have done it. Right? One simple little talking to. Well, you put that stupid thing down. You know we're not to be eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what, what are you thinking? <laughs> Back of the head. <laughs> But that's all, that, that's all that needed to happen, and that, would have, it, it, that whole thing could have been completely sidetracked. But along came the devil, and with guile, and with deception, and with trickery, he comes along, and he takes the evil thing, and he makes it look good. That's his gig. To take the thing that God says don't, and make it look appealing. Has God really said, you shall not eat of the, tree, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? No. Surely God knows that the day that you eat, the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge, you'll be like God. Your eyes will be open. You'll, you'll understand. You'll have, you'll have great wisdom. You'll have knowledge just like God. And when she saw that it was something that was good for food and something that was pleasing to the eye, she went ahead and took it, and her husband didn't stop her. There's the problem. But I, the point in all of this was that they were given authority over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That meant Satan, too. Okay, now the point being with all of this and what, what I hope to share with you in just the next couple of minutes will be that you have in Christ authority over all darkness, all sin, all wickedness, all error, everything that is part of the devil's game plan or part of the, the, his tool bag or his resources. You and I, because we are in Christ, now have authority over all of that. We have spiritual authority. Authority is the right to have dominion over something. It is the right to, 
to basically be in control of something. And God has given us back. It reminds me of the story of uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah had this scribe whose name was Baruch. And Baruch was a very faithful scribe. In other words, he was his person who wrote down all of, his, all of the things that, that he had said over the course of time. And at some point, Baruch was starting to think about, well, what about me? You know, he's working, he's kind of serving Jeremiah. And, and the word came back through Jeremiah to Baruch. He said, are you, are you looking for great things for yourself? Don't look for those great things for yourself. Just take care of what you're doing. But he says, I, I will give you back your life as a, as a prey. In other words, what I'm going to give to you, God said, in terms of Baruch, I'm going to give you your life as a gift that you'll be then able to actually, you, you know, utilize in a useful way um, to do something significant in the kingdom, kingdom program. That's what God has done to you and I. He has given us our life back as a gift. In the past, before Christ, without Christ, we were just simply robots, simply zombies, simply just moving along. We were, like it said, like it said in chapter 2, but you who were dead, we were just dead men walking. That's all. But now God has given us back our life and given us the opportunity to work at the most important, most consequential thing that is ever going to happen here on planet Earth. The only thing that is going to kind of outlive whatever happens down here and go on and on into the eternal future. God has given us the opportunity. God has given us authority to be able to function within this realm. And so it's important that this is a Pretty much all the time we're going to have is just to kind of in intro this whole idea. But God has given us the rule over our life. Sin, he says, shall not have dominion over you, but you will rule over it, okay? So God has made you the ruler of your own little life as unto the Lord. You are now the, the steward over your little life, but you are, you are an under-shepherd. You are the shepherd of you. You're your own little flock so to speak, or something of that nature, right? But that's what, this is the freedom that God has given us again, but it's important that we understand this whole idea that there is a whole hierarchy of demonic power that is looking to shut you down, shut you up, silence you, discourage you, frustrate you, and just get you to sit down and quit and give up. And God is in us to say, go, man, go. Do something. You know that? That's, do something. Use the power. Use what I've given to you. Use the spirit of God. Use the, employ these things. Use the word. Do you know how powerful the word is? Right? That you could speak that to somebody on your job, and it just becomes this little time bomb. <laughs> and they look at you, they're like, ah, come on, no, I'm not into that Jesus stuff. I'm not into that church. So not, it's not for me. But you just planted in them this little seed, and it's ticking. Tick, 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 tick. And sooner or later, really, somebody else will come along, and somebody will water that thing, and sooner or later. And I remember when I, when I got saved, I, it was radical. It was completely radical when we got saved. And then 10 years, and, and I was in a, playing in a band, and the whole, I just had to get out of all that because it was just, you know, an, a, an environment completely unconducive to uh, walking with Jesus. And so we bailed out, and, it, you know, like, it was kind of a, a band situation with, uh, like, you know, everybody's living together in the same place. It was kind of like one of these insane type, you can imagine, 30 people living in a house, all of them doing as many bad things as they can possibly think to do in any given, you know, that was kind of the environment. So we had to get out of that particular situation. <clears throat> 
But um, having, um, having gotten out of all of that, where was I going with this whole thing? I don't know. That one just... But, all right. So, hey, come on, Lord, bring this one back here. But the, the, I, I guess the point being that, you know, like God took us out of one thing and then brought us into this completely different environment, which was very helpful and very good. And What's that? I was talking about the power of the word. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ten years later. Ten years later, I get a phone call. Okay? And it's the drummer who used to play in my band. And, and I pick up the phone, not expecting to hear from him at all. He goes, hey, brother. I'm going, brother? He came to Christ. He's still walking with the Lord. Took 10 years, planted that. Now, I'm not taking any credit for any of that, but I'm just simply saying that it was clear that when we got saved, we were going in a different direction. We had to leave behind what no longer was fitting and appropriate or suitable for you know, walking with the Lord and walk away from that and see where the Lord would lead us. Ten years later, I'm just trying to encourage you that the things that you do, the acts of service that you do, the, the letter that you send, the text that you send to somebody, the, 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 the little kind thing that you do in Jesus' name for somebody, all this stuff is like laying up treasure for ourselves in the eternal kingdom. And so the more we are energetic and active and involved on whatever level it may happen to be, the point is get in. Get in the game and do something because you'll find that you, what you do is anointed with power. Thank you. I love you. Sharing that. Anyway, all right, so we got we to gotta quit. We'll get more into this next week and we'll talk more about spiritual authority that you are now equipped with power in Christ and the devil cannot touch you. The only power that the devil has in your life is that which you give him. Okay, that's really the, that's the part to be concerned about. If I give him, like it says, you know, do not, don't go to bed, don't let the sun go down in your wrath, neither give place to the devil in Ephesians chapter 4, and it talks about giving him like jurisdiction, legal, like topos, ground, legal ground to operate from him, build a little stronghold, build a little encampment in our lives, and then try to simply like use that as a basis for him to bring discouragement and try to sideline us. But it isn't going to happen. Got to pray. Lord God, we thank you that this is who you have made us to be because we are in Christ. We are, no, we are not in Adam anymore, and we are equipped and endued with power from on high to be victorious warriors in this world for the kingdom of God's sake. And we thank you, Lord, that this is our destiny in Christ. You have made it so that we will be fruitful if we are just willing to take our stand and be who God is calling us to be and not be discouraged and not allow, if we'll hold up the shield of faith, if we'll put on the helmet of salvation, if we will put our, on our feet the gospel, the preparation of the gospel, the sandals of the preparation of the gospel, if, if we will do what you are saying, our life will be fruitful. And so an abundant entrance will be ministered unto each and every one of us into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we thank and praise you, Lord, for calling us into this. Oh, open our understanding and our eyes to the reality of it, Lord. May we, want, may we work with all energy, with great energy, 
looking to promote and extend this kingdom that you have given your life for. So anyway, Lord God, we just pray. I, I just pray to be able to make this as clear as possible and that it would be anointed with your spirit, that it produces resonant, internal, spiritual energy, dynamic, and power so that we will be able to fulfill your best plan and purpose. In Jesus' name I pray, 